Holy and gracious Father, we, we thank and praise you again that Christ is raised from the dead and ascended to your right hand. But Lord, because he has ascended to your right hand, so often we feel that he is distant. Lord, remind us that you've given us the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Remind us that Christ breaks in into our lives through the word and, and through the sacraments and through prayer and through one another. Help us, gracious Father, to know that we, we are not left orphans, but you are always with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read to you from Luke chapter 24, the 50th verse. When Jesus had led his disciples out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And bless you. <laughs> he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Before he ascended to heaven, he lifted up his hands and he, he blessed them. Now, if I were Jesus and I had conquered the grave, and I was going off to be with God at his right hand, I would lift my hands in a sign of vindication or victory, right? Vindication over all those doubters who question Jesus. Vindication over those religious leaders who planned his death. Vindication over the Roman army who, who carried out the execution order. Vindication over sin, over death, over the devil. Again, if I was Jesus, I would have raised my hands and take that world as he left. I mean, there's something so right, it seems, about vindication. We like it. We want it. We demand it. The other night, Jamie and I saw the movie Taken. We rented it and we saw it. I'm not going to give away the movie, but the reason I liked it was because the main actor, the whole movie was about getting vindication. I like that. Don't mess with me. No, just kidding. <laughs> we all want vindication. We all want justice. We want CEOs who are, are crooked punished. We want crooked politicians held accountable. We want criminals locked behind bars. We want justice. We all want justice. But there is a problem with vindication, though. Namely, it's all justice and no mercy. An illustration of vindication is, is in Luke's gospel with Herod's daughter-in-law. If you remember that story, after dessert, Herod's daughter-in-law danced for Herod. He was so impressed, he granted her a wish. And what was her desire? What was her dessert? Vindication. She wanted John the Baptist's head on a platter. She wanted to silence her critic. She wanted what she felt was justice. Vindication is good when we're the ones being vindicated. <laughs> it's not so good when we're on the other side of vindication. Think how terrible it would be if God was all justice and no mercy. Think of what would happen if we began our confession with the words, almost just God, instead of almost merciful God. 
If God was only about vindication, only about justice, we would all be in trouble. And if the pastor of the church would be in trouble, all of you would be in trouble too. <laughs> Praise God that when Jesus raised from the dead, he didn't raise his hands for vindication. He raised his hands to bless his disciples, to bestow grace and mercy upon them. But why is it so important that Jesus raised his hands? What is so important about Jesus' hands? Well, you have to think about it. In all the resurrection appearances, or most of the resurrection appearances, when Jesus is showing up to the disciples who wonder, is this really Jesus? He always says something. He says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Why is that so important? What's so important about his hands and his feet? The scores. This is how you know me, Jesus is saying. I'm the crucified one. I'm the one who's willing to die on the cross for you. I'm the one who's willing to say, Father, forgive me. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. You want to know who, who I am, Jesus is saying? You want to identify me? Look at my hands. Those nail-pierced hands. Pierced for you. To show mercy and compassion. In fact, all throughout Jesus' ministry... You see the compassion of Jesus and, and how he uses compassion with his hands. Way back in, in Luke 7, there's a story about a widow who, who lost a son. And she wept and wept for her boy. When Jesus saw her, it says he was overwhelmed with compassion. And then with his hands... Jesus touched the coffin of the boy and said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the boy was healed. Jesus' compassion made him touch an unclean coffin and say, Arise. His compassion. Then in Luke 15, we hear a parable about compassion, a father's compassion, the story of the prodigal son. You know the story. The, father, the son says to the father, I wish you were dead, in so many words. Give me my inheritance. And then he ran off, ran away from home, wasted his inheritance, was among the pigs. And he decided, well, at least my dad's a just man, justice. He'll give me a just wage. And so he came back to beg for a just wage. But then it says this. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. It was filled with compassion. Plenty of joy. There's all, the whole parable is about joy. You're right. But filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, touched him again and kissed him. Compassion. Touching the son. Grabbing onto a son. Holding a son. Henry Nouwen wrote a book about Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son. Some of you might have read this book. And in it, he remarks how Rembrandt painted each of the hands differently. And there's a distinction between the two hands. And this is what Nouwen explains. At least this is his interpretation. 
Often I've asked friends to give me their first impression of Rembrandt's prodigal son. Inevitably, they point to the wise old man who forgives his son, the benevolent patriarch. But then he writes, the longer I look at the patriarch, the clearer it becomes to me that Rembrandt has done something quite different from letting God pose as the wise old head of a family. It all begins with the hands. The two are quite different. The father's left hand touching the son's shoulder is strong and muscular. The fingers are spread out and cover a large part of the prodigal son's shoulder and back. I can see a certain pressure, certainly in the thumb. That hand seems not only to touch, but with its strength also to hold. Even though there is a gentleness in the way the father's left hand touches the son, it's with a firm grip. He's grabbing onto the son, holding him in place. How different is the right hand of the father? This hand does not hold or grasp. It's refined, soft, and very tender. The fingers are close to each other, and they have an elegant quality. It lies gently upon the son's shoulder. It wants to caress, to stroke, and to offer consolation and comfort. It's a mother's hand. As soon as I recognize the difference between the two hands of the father, a new world of meaning opened up for me, now one says. The father is not simply a great patriarch. He's a mother as well as a father. He touches the son with a, a masculine hand and a feminine touch. He holds and she caresses. He holds and consoles. He is indeed God in both manhood and womanhood. Fatherhood and motherhood are fully present. That gentle, caressing right hand echoes for me the words of the prophet Isaiah who said, Can a woman forget her baby at the breast? Feel no pity for the child she has born? Even if these were to forget, I shall not forget you, O Israel. Look, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Strength and compassion. Justice. Grace. But flipped around too. Justice and grace. I mean, the point is that Christ had compassion. Real compassion. In fact, a little earlier in Luke, there's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Again, we see Jesus' compassion. When the Samaritan saw them, the man, it says he felt compassion. And he came to him, bandaged his wounds with what? His hands! Pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. With compassion, the good shepherd healed the man. And then what happens at the end of that parable, though? Do you remember what Jesus says? He says the words, go and do likewise. And these words are so important because these words find us today. They find the church today. We are to go and do likewise. We are to do what Christ did. We are to have compassion on this world. As followers of Christ, we've been crucified with Christ. Our hands then mark the same mark, even though you can't see it, the mark of crucifixion. We've been united to his death, united to his resurrection. Our hands then are meant to go and serve this world, meant to show mercy and compassion. We're to use our hands to bring in the lost, we're to use our hands to touch the lowly. We're to use our hands to love a world filled with prodigals. 
We're going to use our hands to show mercy. You can understand why I like vindication so much. Because vindication is a lot easier than mercy. Vindication is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Vindication is treat others as you would like to be treated. That's easy. Compassion is much harder. Compassion is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Or the new commandment, love as you have been loved, as Christ has loved you. That's much harder. Now don't get me wrong. There will be vindication. But vengeance belongs to the Lord. Vengeance is in the other kingdom, the temporal kingdom. Vengeance is what the police are meant to do. But the church is called to love and to proclaim the gospel as we have been loved. That's hard. And that's why Jesus has to mention power from on high. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Why well, he has to mention the Holy Spirit. Because we need the Holy Spirit to give us the power, the guts, to be his witnesses. I mean, it takes guts to carry the cross. It takes guts to do what Simon of Serene did. And in Luke it says he got behind Jesus and helped carry the cross, which is interesting. None of the other, it just says he carried the cross, but in Luke it says he got behind Jesus and helped him carry the cross, which only a doctor would write. But the point is, we need the guts to stand up and love this world as we've been loved. It takes guts. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit Peter gave guts, or the Holy Spirit gave guts to Peter as he stood and proclaimed before a whole multitude of people on the day of Pentecost, which we'll celebrate next Sunday. Paul needed guts to stand up for the Gentiles. It would have been very easy to write them off, but he needed the power of the Holy Spirit to stand up and go into a lion's den and say, Peter, you are wrong. That's guts. Luther needed to have guts to nail 95 theses on a church door. To stand before a whole nation, a whole religion, a whole empire and say, the Pope is wrong. Christians have needed guts to love this world. <laughs> I love that kid. I can't help but think of Robert Morrison who was the first Protestant missionary to China. This May 12th, it's been 202 years ago that, that Morrison boarded the ship Trident. Not Thrivent, mind you. That's all. But he boarded the ship Trident in New York to complete his journey to China. He served for 27 years there and then died. Even more importantly, he had to serve seven years there before he had his first baptism, before his first conversion. Seven years of work and labor. After baptizing the man on May 14, 1814, Morrison wrote prophetically in his journal, May he be the first fruits of a great harvest, one of millions who shall come and be saved. It's guts. 
And yet he was right, as there are millions of Christians alive today in China. And even though they've been persecuted, they have guts to stand up against their country. I can't help but think of our door gathering on Sunday nights. We have about six young people who are up there singing. And we only get about 14 people out in the, in the seats right now in this congregation. And mostly people who are just supporting them and the young people. It takes guts to, to be in an empty church and to lead worship and to sing and to praise God. But they have guts. The Holy Spirit has empowered them to stand and sing with their whole hearts, even when their hearts are breaking. I pray to God it won't take seven years before the first convert of the door ministry. But by golly, they're going to sing until there is a convert. And they're going to keep singing. The Holy Spirit gives us guts to be Christ's hands in this world. When Jesus led the disciples out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted his hands and he blessed them. He sent them. He empowered them to have compassion on this world. Oh, Reformation, he's done that for you today as well. You are blessed to be a blessing. In your baptisms, you've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given all the guts you need to carry out the the mandate to love this world as you have been loved. In Jesus' name, amen.